So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To get up and get going, South Coast, it's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang, it's Tim Weisberg. Welcome in the third and final hour here on Monday. And uh, when it is Monday and when it is the eight o'clock hour, we welcome in Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. And it is time to turn on the light. You know, right about now, Jack, I believe the Rolling Stones are on uh, the CBS Morning Show based on the 50,000 commercials I saw during the Patriots game <laughs> yesterday for it. And uh, they're talking about their songwriting process. So Couldn't, couldn't happen to a nicer group. Um, I, I saw an interview with uh, this, this one running, a reel running on Facebook where Mick Jagger says that um, he didn't originally write songs and then the Beatles were writing songs. He thought, oh, God, I'm going to have to learn how to write songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did. They were just copying a lot of blues standards and, and playing the songs that they grew up listening to. And and I think that part of what you see now with the Rolling Stones is like people complain about how their songs are pretty basic and like they really haven't evolved. Um, but they had a great span of songwriting from the, you know, mid to late 60s through the 70s. And um, I would say the wheels might have started to fall off around steel wheels when when, when yeah. that tour happened. I think that that's pro- probably where I start. You know, Rock in a Hard Place was probably like the, well, no, because I love Voodoo Lounge and I love Bridges to Babylon, but the yeah. songwriting is kind of basic so on it. They, they took a detour around Her Satanic Majesty's Request when um, the Beatles were doing Sgt. Peppers and mm-hmm. getting into all that um, psychedelic music, but they returned to their roots and, they, and then they went back on the road, which the Beatles did not do. Yeah. And I think that, that they have really seen you know the blues and early rock and roll as their roots and for people who grew up in that era like me you know i mean i i will always prefer that music even though i appreciate rap i appreciate other types of music it's not my music it's it's somebody else's generation's music and so so i it's, it's sort of my comfort music if you will and so um i don't mind that you know it's the same basic riffs you know over and over again 
It's still the Stones. Uh, the fact that they're even still trying to put out new music at a time when they wouldn't have to. I mean, nobody's nobody's clamoring for new Rolling Stones music, but they still feel you know creatively energized enough, especially after losing Charlie too. Yeah. To to put out a new album like this and go out and tour and support it, and they're just they're never going to stop. Yeah. Two two of the five original Rolling Stones are gone, and so they lose one more, and then it's going to be hard to. To say that they're the Stones. I think they'll just have AI replacements. The Rolling Stones are going to go on forever. Whether or not it's the actual living bodies anymore, uh, we don't know. So actually, when we're, when we're talking about AI, we're talking about the future and future technologies. That's part of the reason why this whole Star Store thing happened is because, you know, they were saying that art has evolved. And that nobody wants to, no, nobody really seems to be signing up for some of those those classic arts anymore. And as you have uh, reported and discussed with us, that's not the case. There are still plenty of young artists that are interested in that. I found shocking in Colin's story at NewBedfordLight.org that, you know, as we're talking about the need to have a place where they can do those traditional uh, mediums of art, that they said, well, we're gonna we're gonna get them the Bed Bath and Beyond store. That'll that'll solve some of the problems here. And as you've already been pointing out, they can't do all of the ceramic work that they did there because they can't have the same kilns that they had there. But now we find out through Colin's story, they can't even paint in that building. They can't even do simple painting, which is probably the simplest form of art education. Yeah, I no, mean, I, I mean, simple in terms of like in terms of what you need yeah. in, out of the location. Yeah, never mind ceramics, which they also can't do in that store. Mm -hmm. um, before I address your your issues with Bed Bath and Beyond. I just want to point out that the um, the artisans, by artisans I mean the traditional fine art students, ceramics, painting, all that. They say that they do use digital stuff in their you know material. Everything is digital nowadays, and they are very savvy. They're young kids, and so they they are aware of it. They they you know they incorporate it into their art. It's not the line between traditional crafts and digital is not as um, Rigid as you know, some people may lead you to believe it really is about what UMass Dartmouth, you know, wants to perpetuate and what they don't want to perpetuate. Um, the, the, the Bad Bath and Beyond building just looks worse and worse. Um, I think it's a reflection of the rushed atmosphere and the rushed way they did it. Um, they were just waiting for Montigny not to fund it, and when he didn't fund it, and the governor signed it within a week, they announced that they were closing, even though. And they said we, we had to close because we didn't have um, insurance anymore, even though they had not because we didn't have a lease. But they hadn't had a lease for 10 months already. And so the rushed way they did that, I think, led to the Bed Bath & Beyond building. And that um, rushed um, way, Just I, I had heard that they had called um, state rep. Chris Markey and said, you know, where we could move. And, you know, he is in touch with a lot of different businesses in, in town and he gave them a few suggestions and, and this is the one that they did. But it wasn't any kind of thoughtful, planned out, oh, this will meet our needs. We can do this. We can't do that. We'll put this here. We won't put that there. It was all rushed and uh, I think that's the way they did it. Which, based on the timeline that's presented in the article and, and that Senator Montigny provided, you would have thought that they would have had a plan in place. That they, they knew that they weren't going to be going back into this building. They had no intentions of going back into this building. Why didn't they have a better backup plan? Yeah, Colin Hogan just did a great job with that story. He's really fleshed out a lot of the things that we didn't know. Uh, what I didn't know was that um, Fuller, Chancellor Fuller, had told um, uh, Senator Martigny that he would do it, but that DCAM, the Division of Capital Asset Management and Maintenance, then said, well, we don't know anything about that. We're not doing it. 
And Deke, I did know that DCAM was the final authority that was in the original lease. And uh, Fuller had told me that, that, that DCAM had prevented him from doing it. But Martini didn't know until late later after that that they weren't going to do it. And they just informed him that they wouldn't. And that, but how do they not know? It's not like the lease was a surprise to anybody. It had already been going on for 20 years. Well, Montigny had plenty of discussions with them, and there were discussions as to how it needed to be done. But uh, Audra Riding, Montigny's legislative aide, has, has told me that DCAM has, has been not transparent at all in what they're up to. I, I wrote a column, uh, I've written so many columns on this now, it's hard to keep track, but I think three or four columns back, I wrote. Who are these mysterious agencies, the Division of Capital Asset Management and the UMass Building Authority, that have had a very big role in determining whether, you know, uh, UMass Dartmouth takes that building for a dollar. And it, it seems that they were preventing them. And it also seems that, that, that Paul Downey may have, the developer who owned the building, still owns it, may have been lobbying them. And so, you know, we tried to get some of that public records uh, Information we've got some of it through DCAM. Umba has fought us, so you know we'll 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 see. Um, did, did I read this correctly? Was it DCAM that refused to go on the record with Colin for the story? That's right. I mean, um, that's, unbelievable. That's how how does that happen? Yeah, yeah. And Umba is not much better. Umba told me that anything that I that I wanted to get from them, I had to get by way of a public records request. In other words, we don't have conversations uh, w- with people. Um, uh, these are very powerful state agencies. They're not elected by anybody. They are pop- uh, Umber is populated by mainly gubernatorial appointments, and it, it has been stacked by the UMass Board of Trustees and Governor Baker because that's who was in power. And DCAM, you know, goes back a long ways. People, it's an agency in charge of all state buildings, and they're very powerful. The, the, the city of New Bedford had a hard time getting the um, armory, which they finally have gotten away from them over many, many years of negotiations to get that armory in a condition in which it could be used uh, uh, from DCAM. So, you know, I, I just think it's outrageous that they would say we will not do an on-the-record interview, but that's what they said. And it seems like Chancellor Fuller is still kind of ducking the students a little bit. I know that he spoke to some students, but... Yeah, he, he spoke to some painting students, and um, so I think it was two weeks ago that the governor said she would try to set up a meeting with him. And what the... In Colin's story, you read that the... the um, uh, uh, what he said, he he ducked into the he, he he into the painting students meeting because they were being evicted from Bed Bath and Beyond Ceramics, which has also not even gotten into Bed Bath and Beyond. Went up and tried to talk to him, and he said, "Oh, I just haven't had a chance to schedule a meeting with you yet." And yet he's dropping into the painting issue, which came up after the ceramics issue. The ceramics kids were the ones who went up to the Boston Public Library and talked to the governor. So I, I find it hard to believe that he's a straight shooter in, in, in these things. There's just a lot of disingenuousness all yes. around here in this story. Yeah. So, what, what, I mean, what's going to happen now? We're, how far into the semester? We're at the mid, midpoint of the semester. Well, they only got a meeting, the ceramics kids have only gotten a meeting with the provost in the, in the assistant provost. And what they told me was they were offered to extend the time when they could drop out without any penalty, without any blot on their record, but they have made no offer to give them their tuition back, even partially. Uh, so they are halfway through the semester now, have not been able to get into their um, classrooms or studios. Uh, the university set up some visits to museums. That, that is not the same, especially for a graduate program, a master's of fine arts. Oh, we're giving you some field trips. It's, 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 it's just insulting to, to me, and I think to the kids too. 
So then this is going to be a lost semester for them, no doubt. I, I think. And they're asking for um, not only the tuition back, but for um, help from the university when they complete their degrees. Because other, other you know, high employers are going to have read about what happened here. They're going to wonder about these kids' education. The kids themselves have been traumatized. Instead of concentrating on their studies, they've been concentrating on not being able to get into a, any kind of workable environment. So, as you pointed out, this is a master's program. This is a graduate-level program. Uh, what was the expected syllabus for the season? Do you know like what kind of things they would have been working on or, or what kind of things they're missing out on as part of that education? Like they, could, they couldn't just say, we'll just skip over the semester and we'll move on from here. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about it. I, I know that the MFA program is a three-year program. And so I don't know. I, I know Fallon, who was a third-year student, has told me that this year was her year to produce her creations. And so she had to, what she called, fast-fire her um, prototypes for what she's going to be building this year because the slow-fire process, which produces more sturdy materials, um, she didn't have time because they were rushing them out so quickly. So I think the third year, I think it depends on what year the kid is in, what course they're in. Um, but I know, I know that third, certainly Master of Fine Arts students in the third year, you would expect them to be producing art, uh, you know, and that's what she was going to be doing. So this is, I mean, you have I, to be in the studios to produce. I mean, you can say you can do it at home. I don't know how you get a kiln at home unless you can afford to build one in your backyard. Um, uh, my, the bottom line here is that this was this was education that was needed for them to finish what they what they started. This isn't like you know you and I know that we, you know if you were a, a journalist student journalism student and you'd already been doing it for a number of years, what what were you going to work on in this one semester? You know they could just give you an A for that semester and move you on to the next semester, but maybe not with this because again it's that creative time of creating something that would have you know yeah, mattered to, overall. To me, they have a, an agreement with the university. You'll give us a degree. These are the courses we have to take. Now, this course, you're not supplying us what we needed to learn in that course. I mean, you have to talk to the kids to find out exactly what they were going to learn in which course. But I, I just think the university has acted terribly irresponsibly. You know, and, and, the, and the chancellor has been so little visible in the media or, or in, um, with the students that you don't even know what they're thinking, what their rationale was well if anybody has any questions about that 508-996-0500 we can take your thoughts on that we can also uh take your app chat messages on the wbsm app as well as your open line voicemails uh by the way congratulations to our winner uh who claimed those tickets to the um, corks and forks event happening thursday at the narrow center for the arts to benefit the ymca melissa was our winner and uh, melissa from new bedford so she's going to get to enjoy the all of the beer and wine and all of the great food but if you missed out you can get yourself tickets by going to ymcasc.org all right let's take our first break of the hour we'll be back in just a few moments with more with Jack and welcome back we are turning on the light with Jack Spillane columnist for New Bedford Light and we were talking about the Star Store uh, saga and the latest developments on it and and the main thrust of Colin's article is that now the inspector general is looking into what happened and um, as you were just saying to me Jack the inspector general is not not something you mess around with no this, this is a, 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 a it's like the attorney general it's a state official i think his name is joshua shapiro and he's going to do an investigation and after investigations of, of this sort 
the state has some ability to claw back some of the money. Uh, if it's if I mean, Montigny has said that he, he doesn't think that the maintenance was done at that store. Uh, the contract was obviously with Paul Downey, a Mattapoisett developer. Um, uh, UMass Dartmouth had responsibility for some part of it, which they're calling common maintenance. And if that stuff wasn't done, the, according to Collins' report, the inspector general has the ability to claw back some of that money. Now, that might not bring the school back, but at, at least, um, you know, this d- developer who, you know, uh, according to Montigny, got very wealthy, you know, with this contract, um, you know, would not want that. And in fact, when Downey um, said that he was willing to give the star store for a dollar, even after UMass missed the deadline, he did it on the contingency that this legislation that Montigny had written that requires the inspector general investigation be rescinded. Mm. The governor did not do that. So there's uh, there's certainly going to be a lot more that comes out as a result of that report. Uh, do they have any idea of a timeline on when when there can be an expected report on that? Or no, I mean these things I think can take months, if not a year or so. So it's I mean, not anything that's going to help these no, these students this semester. This, this is essentially an audit of the books of of what went on, what was what money was given, what money was spent. You know, and the fact that all this has happened. I would think shows the need for more uh, transparency from the UMass system overall. Do you think that there's going to be any repercussions all the way up to Marty Meehan for this? Well, we'll see. I mean, this contract uh, was criticized from the very beginning, even 22 years ago when it was given out because it was a no-bid contract. Um, Montigny wanted to bring the Star Store, the, the, the College of Visual and Performing Arts, to downtown New Bedford. Part of it was over on Purchase Street. He wanted it in the middle of the downtown, um, and so he wrote the legislation. The problem was, normally, you would just bond and have the university own the building from the very beginning. The state was not in good financial shape at the time, so it made more sense, my understanding is, to... Um, contract it out to a developer and then have the developer take the financial risk to refit the star store and then lease it. But the lease was 20 years with the understanding that UMass Dartmouth would buy it after 20 years, which never happened. And so that means that as of right now, Mr. Downey could just sell that building if he wanted to, right? Well, <laughs> I think if he tried to do that, he might find himself in court. Uh, but I think technically, yes, he, he could. I think that this inspector general's investigation is, is uh, I don't know what force of law it would have. Um, maybe he could sell it and they could still claw back the money after he sells it. Um, you know, he says that he still, you know, his plan has, his latest thing, which was two months ago in August, was that he still intended to convey it for a dollar. It was DCAM and UMBA that prevented it from being taken, that even UMass... Dartmouth, if you want to believe them, wanted it. All right. Well, we are going to take a break now for the news. When we come back, we'll talk more with Jack and more with you at 508-996-0500. You can also send app chat messages and open line voicemails via the WBSM app. We will work those into the conversation as well. When we come back, we'll talk some parallel products. We'll talk some New Bedford election. And uh, and a reminder, too, that here at WBSM, we're going to be encouraging you and reminding you to go vote. 
where you're going to be hearing from us over the next couple of weeks all the information that you need about when you can register, when you can, when's the last moment to register, where you can vote, if you want to be voting early, how you can get your mail-in votes, all of those kind of things. We'll be talking with you about that in the coming weeks to make sure that you get out and vote. But right now, let's go into the newsroom with Ariel Dorsey. Headlines today, the White House says getting Americans out of Gaza is President Biden's top priority. Speaker on CNN's State of the Union National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said the U.S. is working with the Israeli government and with third-party governments to free Americans being held hostage by Hamas. But Sullivan said the U.S. is currently unable to pinpoint the exact location where Americans are. America's top diplomat is in Israel today as fighting continues between the IDF and the Palestinian militant organization Hamas. Secretary of State Antony Blinken arrived in Tel Aviv this morning after a weekend of meetings with leaders in the region. He's expected to meet with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in his newly formed war cabinet on his second visit to the country within just a few days. A vote for the new Speaker of the House is expected Tuesday at noon. House Democratic Whip Catherine Clark said the vote for Representative Jim Jordan will happen, but it is still unclear if Jordan will gather enough votes to secure the position. While the GOP holds a slight majority in the House, only four votes can be sacrificed to win, with some Republicans firmly against Jordan. Those who lost loved ones in the Parkland, Florida school shooting believe some goodwill will come from visiting the scene of the tragedy. About 200 people walked through the 1200 building at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School one last time on Saturday before it's demolished next summer. The mass shooting left 17 dead and another 17 injured on Valentine's Day of 2018. Rite Aid is filing for bankruptcy. The pharmacy chain filed for Chapter 11 protection Sunday, facing declining sales, billions of dollars in debt, and more than a 1,000 lawsuits linked to the opioid crisis. The company has hired a new CEO to navigate its restructuring and expects stores to stay open for the time being. And Taylor Swift is everywhere, on stage, at football games, and now on top of the weekend box office. Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, set an opening week record for a concert film with an estimated $97 million. Add that to the more than $2 billion the tour itself has brought in. In sports, the Celtics are adding to the front office after hiring former longtime head coach and ESPN analyst Jeff Van Gundy as a senior consultant in its basketball operations group. The 61-year-old coached 11 seasons in the NBA with the New York Knicks and Houston Rockets. The Celtics continue the preseason when they play host to the Knicks tomorrow night at TD Garden. The Raiders pulled out a 21-17 win over the Patriots at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Jimmy Garoppolo started the game under center and threw for 162 yards, one touchdown, and an interception before leaving the game with an injury. Mac Jones threw for 200 yards and a pick for the Pats. New England is now last in the AFC East at 1-5 and, and will host the Buffalo Bills this week. And the Bruins are on the road as they begin a four-game road trip on Thursday when it visits the San Jose Sharks. The Bruins open the season with a 3-1 win over the Chicago Blackhawks before beating the Nashville Predators 3-2. Now let's, look, now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6.
Good to be with you, everybody, on this Monday morning. Mostly cloudy start with hit or miss showers. Temperatures in the upper 40s as we head into the afternoon. Clouds will persist with scattered showers. Temperatures in the upper 50s, a few degrees shy of where we should be for this time of year. Slight chance showers overnight tonight with mostly cloudy skies. Temperatures in the upper 40s. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Ceci del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk State. 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Bedford's News. New Bedford's News Talk Station. New Bedford's News Talk Station. 1420 WBSM. New Bedford. A Town Square Media Station. I didn't mean to hit the legal ID. I just meant to hit some imaging. So whatever. <laughs> we're, uh, we're now legally in compliance, I guess, for this hour. I'm just on the boat trying not to daydream. <laughs> so it, I don't know what's wrong with me today. I've been pressing wrong buttons right and left. I got, I got a pretty good amount of sleep yesterday. I slept. I went to bed about 1 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. And I woke up at like 7 a.m., got up, used the restroom, used the bathroom, laid back, I took a medication I was taking in the morning, laid back down, fell asleep, woke up, it was like 12.30 in the afternoon. I'm like, oh, I guess I needed it. But I think that sleep kind of messed I, me all I, up. I am totally in awe of your schedule. Yeah. Well, don't, don't, don't be. because <laughs> not it's, that I want it. It's I'm insanity. Just totally, I'm just totally in awe of it. It's insanity. Uh, we were just talking about going up to Haverhill tonight and then coming home and going to bed and waking up and then tomorrow I'm going out with Norwell and no, I'm all over the place. Randolph on Thursday. Saturday's an easy day. I get to stay local and go to Westport. Um, so let's talk a little bit about both Parallel Products and the upcoming election. So I think Parallel Products is a big thing, a big reason why people are getting out and voting, even though it nothing's really going to be directly affected by that vote. I think people are trying to be more civic-voiced because of this issue. I think Parallel Products greatly affects Ward 1, particularly the, the far end of, of Ward 1. Um, you know, I, I really feel badly because I think that the people are right, that, that this never should have gone through, that accepting trash from other communities is not something New Bedford needed to do, that when Tom Davis was the head of the New Bedford business pocket, it never would have happened, that it was Mayor Mitchell and city councilors like Linda Morad and Brian Gomes and Naomi Carney who were on the council that gave the first TIF to Parallel Products that allowed it to get in. They have since moved to a different location in the business park where they do not have a TIF, but still, they got in the door. Um, it was the kind of low-end business that Davis didn't want. He wanted a high-end uh, business park. Sometimes it's hard to, to bring a high-end park to New Bedford. Uh, on the other side, it does solve a problem for New Bedford. New Bedford uh, take, takes $2 million a year to, to export the, the sewage, sewage sludge. They're not going to even do that now, but they... Uh, the Crepo landfill is going to close, and so that it's expensive to um, to you're going to have to solve that trash problem somehow. But it just seems sad that this is a um, a middle class, if not upper middle class, residential neighborhood that is saddled with this. And um, I I just think that the problem is that Parallel Products, now known as what South Coast Renewables. Um, has the law on their side. The, the best hope they have, I guess, is the health board. And we'll see uh, what, what the health board does because um, even if they rule against it, it's going to be a long and expensive fight for the city, I think. And it's not like there's other locations that they could 
open this business in or move this business to where it would be. Well, well remember, they were originally on Charmin Avenue near, near the airport, mm-hmm. and that's where they were. But I, I don't know what was wrong with that location, and they were looking around for another location. They were also up in Freetown before that where Tom Davis went to visit them and, and said he didn't like the looks of it. He didn't want them in, in the business park. Um, so they negotiated this deal to go into the business park and and you know it's been to the to the neighbors frustration ever since now as i said this is something that's got people certainly worked up we get a lot of phone calls about it it comes up quite a bit in the council meetings and the council and the discussions that i have with the councilors but again what's what what can be done yeah, I hope that they can do something. You know, uh, I think the neighbors have fought a valiant fight and they're trying to um, make a lot of noise. A lot of politicians who weren't on board early on, you know, from the mayor to uh, uh, Ward 1 councillor, uh, uh, Brad Markey to um, Morad and Gomes and Connie are now on board. I, I just think that it's a hard battle because it is zoned correctly. And when you have zoning that, that allows it, it's hard to get around it. Now, whether they need to tweak the zoning. Tom Davis used to say he got around it by putting covenants, uh, deed restrictions into the other business in the park. They couldn't be next to this. And he would say, oh, well, this business right next to you can't be next to this kind of business, so I can't allow you in. Um, Derek Santos from the EDC, which took over after Tom Davis uh, was gone, told me that, well, uh, a lot of those deed restrictions have expired. So, you know, why they let them expire, I don't know. Um, you know, Tom Davis was kind of an eccentric uh, 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 character, but whatever you want to say about him, he ran that, that business park very well. And, and um, I, I just think it's an uphill battle for them to win. I, 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 I'm sorry if I'm disappointing anybody by saying that. I wish they would win, but I, I think it's a hard battle. Well, because I think, you know, Parallel Products can present it from the side of, well, look at all these NIMBYs in Ward 1 that don't, you know, that are trying to stop us from having a business that we have every right to have. Well, what, what if you owned your house there, which is your, well, life, your life savings, your principal investment, and also your quality of life from any smells that may develop, the traffic, certainly, of, of that number of trucks coming in and out of there, I, I think it's a totally legitimate concern on their part, you know, not just the city's trash, remember, is going to go there, but but they're going to import trash from other communities that don't know what to do with it. I, I certainly can see their point of view. I, I just don't, I just think that the time to win this battle was not letting that business into the park. And, you know, you ha- that had to be done through zoning, through deed restrictions, whatever. And that, that ship has sailed. Just, I think it's odd that they're they're trying to put together this advanced manufacturing campus that's going to have its own highway on ramp and off ramp and on ramp, and it's over there near where the landfill currently is. Like you would have thought, maybe they could have relocated over maybe. there. Maybe I, I don't know how the golfers would like the fumes coming over on, on what's going to be left of the golf. Ah, they're course. already dealing with the Mount Trashmore fumes. That, that over by there. the way, I am a golfer. And that's a beautiful course. Uh, uh, it didn't used to be when I first got here twenty four years ago. You know, it's a hilly course. It's a very long course, but. The, the, the fairways, the, the, the greens are in just excellent tradition. The company that runs it now has done a wonderful job. And, and I hope when they redesign it, because they say it's going to stay 18 holes, it will stay 18. It'll stay. It's, it's one of the best courses on the South Coast now. I'm, I'm hoping that by next summer I'll have 
lost enough weight and I'll be in better shape that I'm going to try and pick up golf again. I did oh. it years ago. Was not very good at it, but maybe I'll be better. I'm not very good at it either, but I'll happy to I'll be happy to go out with you. I think we I definitely <laughs> want to play that course, so we'll have to go out there and check it out. I might actually uh might actually ask you for a pickleball lesson too. Okay, we'll do somewhere that down too. the line uh, too. Even even get into tennis if you really do well. I <laughs> tennis I I like the pickleball cuz it has the bigger I feel like I have to aim less. So, and then uh, and then I might even reach out to Comey and do a little disc golf. We're going to make a jock of you yet, Tim. Ah, okay. maybe. It's not too late. Uh, so, 508-996-0500 is a number if you want to call in with any questions or comments for Jack Spillane. We're going to take our next break, and we'll be back in just a few moments. And welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Now joining us uh, on the line, we have Counselor-at-Large Brian Gomes, who wants to uh, discuss something that we were just discussing. Good morning, Counselor. How are you? Good morning. Thank you for the opportunity, Tim. Anytime. Um, I, I'd just like to clarify um, what um, Jack Lane has been saying this morning. He said it a couple of times that uh, myself, I'll speak for myself, had um, just um, climbed into this thing and, and now is uh, supporting not having it there. I want to clarify that I am the one that broke this. I am the one that placed the first motion on the agenda. I am the one that visited the site. I am the one that questioned the mayor on your radio station with Barry Richards saying that the thing was a quarter of a mile away. It wouldn't bother anybody. This is um, prior to um, me placing that motion on the agenda. So, Jack, please, please um, clarify and tell the truth that I've been on this from the get-go. I've said it, and I'll continue to say it. I've dealt with this in, um, with the appointments to the Board of Health, um, clarifying whether they support it or not. Um, I've been on this from the beginning, and I'm not going to let you do that this morning. Thank you okay. very much. And I'm not going to let you say that I did it wrong. I'm reading from my 2019 article. Parallel Products quietly moved its glass and plastics recycling business from Charmant Avenue to the business park a couple of years after Davis retired. They were threatening to leave the city, and the city council unanimously, and you were on the council, Brian, approved their application for a special tax assessment agreement reducing their taxes. They never applied for a second STA, however, when they moved to another portion of the former Polaroid site. I don't dispute, Brian, that you were one of the leaders. That's where the difference is. When we voted for that, when I voted for the um, tax uh, increment, um, the tax break, it was for the Charmin Avenue site. It was not for... And that's how they got into the business park. In the business park. They got into the business park after that a vote was taken. No, no. The, was, the, the STA was for the, for another property in the business park. You just said the wrong thing. It was in the business park already, Brian. So you can't misstate it. You know, I, I what I was going to say is that when people realized that this was going to be a problem, you did get on the bandwagon quickly and you did try to, to reverse it. But both yourself and Mayor Mitchell and the other counselors gave the special tax assessment agreement for the property inside the business park because before they had been at Charmin Avenue and they went inside the business park. Then they moved to a, a different property, the Polaroid property, inside the business park. So don't say it was outside the business park. It wasn't. That's, see, you just correct, you, you said it. It was in the business park. I, I'm going to tell you again. When I took that vote, it was not for them to go to the business park. That was for the Charmin Avenue site. And I'm going to repeat it again. And I don't care what you say. Um, I was on this from the beginning, and I'll continue to be on it. And I've tried to protect the voters of Ward 1 up there. And you've tried to make it look like I have just climbed the board and just decided to address this issue. I was there from the start. Tim, I appreciate the opportunity to come on this morning and just clarify that um, where I my position is on this. 
again, I, I'm the one that started it. I'm the one that questioned the man's um, 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 letting them be there. Um, we continue to question the $250,000 that we gave the man to fight this, and then he gave in and took $800,000 in return for the community. That affects the quality of life of the people of Ward 1, and I'll continue to fight the battle as I have started from the beginning. Thank you for the opportunity. Jack Splane, always thank you for your, your columns and, and what you have to say. Have a great day, gentlemen. Thank you, Counselor. That is Counselor at Large, Brian Gomes. Uh, let's take a phone call here before we have to take our next break. We get somebody on hold. Uh, good morning. You are next on WBSM. Hello. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How's it going? Good. How you doing? Good. Hey, you know what's funny is like, you know, the arguing between Mr. Gomes and uh, Jack. Like, listen, I give props to you both because at least you guys are opening your mouth and looking into things. You guys would probably be better as a team rather than kind of going back and forth with the nonsense. But... It's not why I called. I'm calling regarding parallel products. Isn't that what New Bedford does best is we inherit uh, other communities' trash across the board? Think about it. Like half of the panhandlers and, uh, that are downtown aren't even from this community. Why are they, he- why are they here? Because our drugs are uh, potent and they're plentiful. Um, Another question, why are people, like we're talking about affordable housing, why do they flock to New Bedford? because of the gentrification outside of the community. And they come here because rents are quote-unquote cheaper, which is another issue we're facing. Let's continue on. Why are people leaving the community in droves? Because they're sick of this trash. That's why we can't get homegrown talent to stay in New Bedford. This is a problem across the board, and now look at with parallel products. Continue with the trash and bringing it into the community. We could, you know, talk about immigration and, you know, I don't want to talk about people and humans as trash, but bringing people into the community again instead of focusing on the people inside of our community and how we could make it better for our people. We look at industries. We're going outside. We're getting windmills into our community. Why don't we look at the homegrown talent and what's going on and how we could take our resources that we have in this city and improve them and make them better? Like, this is what I'm saying. It's like the back and forth arguing um, where we should be teaming up together because we got talented people with great ideas in home in New Bedford, you know, and it's crazy to me. But on a lighter note, Jack, regarding all of this investigation that you're doing with the Star Store, I just want to put it out there so everybody knows Uh, you're content with your life right jack you have no you're not depressed or anything like that i don't want you to you know be (laughs) happy to walk down the street you know and get uh you know kill yourself by shooting yourself in the back of the head or anything you're content right jack just you know Uh, once i'm not i'm not sure exactly what you're trying to say a number of people have said to me that i must have a lot of courage to to write some of the things i say and i I, I don't. I just think of it as doing my job. I. I, I do. I mean, you know. I, I mean, there are. No, people. I understand that, but it's just one of those things, you know. You're, you're looking around now when the inspector general's coming into play. There's a lot of people, a lot of money. You know, <laughs> that's what. Well, you you mass screwed up. Say, you mass screwed up, and they're going to reap it. 
Yeah, it's sad to say, like, you know, to even bring that up, but it's true. When you're dealing with powerful people and a lot of money, you know, those are the things that people think of. It's unfortunate, but that's the reality. It's crazy to even think about, but just want to put it out there so it's public knowledge that, you know, you're okay and you're content and you're happy. (laughs) He is is fine. I can vouch for that. All right. Thank you for the call. You have a good day. All right, we're just going to take a break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. All right, we have about a minute left. Jack, what are you working on this week? What am I working on? More stuff all the time. I'm sure, like, I don't know if people are tired of it, but with this great story by Colin Hogan, you know, about the Inspector General investigating today and um, some other news about some another state official that's going to be investigating. So I think that investigations, star store. Well, hey, listen. You're the one that's keeping this story going, you and everybody over at the New Bedford Light. You're the ones that are going to follow this and see this through. So we appreciate the work that you're doing, and uh, we appreciate all of you listening, all of your great questions and your calls. I'm going to be back tomorrow. We'll be uh, taking more of your phone calls tomorrow morning. I'll be, uh, I'll be out in Haverhill tonight. If you are out that way and you want to come hear me talk about the haunted history of Lizzie Borden, I'll be at the Haverhill Public Library at 7 p.m. Uh, what I should have done is I should have, Asked if anybody wants to ride up there with me from the South Coast. They could have all chipped in for gas. Apparently it's- Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.